are listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. And today on the podcast, we have another librarian showcase. We like to have uh, members of our staff come on the podcast as much as possible. And today, reference librarian Susan Paley will be joining us to talk about the collections that she uh, helps add to uh, this library, including mystery and including the digital copies that include ebooks and audiobooks and she has lots of recommendations for you her staycation reads it's susan paley well susan's on the podcast today because she curates our mystery collection for the ferndale library to circulate and she's also here to talk about books that she read on her staycation and we emphasize staycation because susan usually likes to leave the country isn't that right susan i like to leave the country i like to go to the beach i like to <laughs> like a normal spend, human being spend a vacation you enjoy recreation away from away from home and this time it obviously wasn't as easy it really wasn't possible i mean some people i know went camping or tried to rent an rv that would not work for how we want to take a vacation so we just decided this year we should stay home mm-hmm. and but i still wanted to read mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. chose books and i thought this is going to be what i'm going to do because it's still a vacation if i get to read yeah so that was that was part of it and i read four books which was really just was really enjoyable to just have the time to read four books even though we've had a lot of time because things are closed or Things aren't as readily available to do outside of being at home. It was still a fun thing to be able to read. I want to start with one specifically that was on your list because I read the flap on the inside and it sounded very tantalizing. It was called Night Swim by Megan Golden. Oh, yeah. Because I think it involves a true crime, true crime podcaster. Yes, it does. It's the so the main character is a young woman who has a true crime podcast and the when you start the story, the plot is that it's been going for two seasons and it's been super, super successful. And it's now season three. And she really, she doesn't know what's going to happen. Like, is it going to to keep going? Is it going to have to stop? Is it going to be as popular as it was? And she's covering a big trial. And then while she's covering the big trial, she gets a letter from someone who's an avid listener of the podcast. And the letter says, I need you to help me work on this cold case. You have to help me. You're the only person that I feel like would understand this. So it's the letter is from Kelly. (laughs) Kelly is inserted into the book. I would never write a letter to a podcast. <laughs> yes, I would. It's definitely a Kelly b- book. I, you know, I know that you read the, tr- that you listen to the true crime podcast. So when I was reading, I thought, oh, Kelly has to read this too. Yeah, she did tell me. Mm-hmm. So whenever I get out of my, my listening slump, I'm gonna, that's on my list. Yeah. I mean, the Robert Galbraith book is definitely on Kelly's list. This is one we can add to the list. Yes. There's another book, uh, speaking of lists called The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Yes, that was really good, too. And that one, I would say, is a combination of Agatha Christie and then Big Little Lies by Leanne Moriarty. Oh, yeah. And then if you imagine those two and then you imagine the game of Clue. Oh, okay. Great. You know, literally the it was the. (laughs) This and this so-and-so did it in this room with that. Right. Kind of a thing. Like it was the, you know, the it was there's a big wedding going on. So Uh just imagine like, the you know, when you have a big wedding, you have all these people that you could say this person is, for example, there's the it's told in the. 
in the perspective of four or five different characters and they each have a voice. Mm -hmm. So there's the best man, there's the uh, the wife of the MC, who's the one of the friends of the bride. There's the bride herself. There's the maid of honor, and then there's the groom. Mm-hmm. And somehow in the story, as they're all, they've all been invited to this remote Irish island. So the fact that it was in Ireland, it was like, well, I get to read this book, and I get to imagine I'm in a completely different place. Right. It was set in 2020 too, so it wasn't. Oh, cool. Wasn't like it was a a far, you know, a far away. Story, not or like it was set in the forties or something. Historical, no, it had a flavor like Agatha Christie, but it wasn't the same time period. And also, another book that came to mind as I was reading it is Lord of the Flies. Oh, because it also has Yikes. this. This is a mixed bag. Yes, it was really. I, I honestly was reading it, and I thought the author must have loved all of these types of books because it was a really great mashup of all of them. And there were definitely things that I could guess, but then there were also definitely things where I thought, oh, I didn't see that coming at all. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's one of those books where as soon as you're done with it, you immediately text the person that you know that would want to read the book most <laughs> and say, put this on your list immediately. <laughs> Sounds like every everyone in the cast of characters might have some suspecting sort of qualities. They could be the culprit, right? Yes. No, and that's great. The, the the element that tied all of this together, there was a body. Oh. So you don't know as you're going along, you don't know who it is wow. until you're very, very deep in this story. I was surprised at how deep in a story I was before you realize, oh, somehow there's going to be a body. <laughs> I'm always impressed with mystery novels that pull it off in the 21st century because, you know, one of the jokes, if you listen to like, you know, jokey movie podcasts is like, oh, this entire movie wouldn't exist if cell phones did or the <laughs> internet existed. So like, I think sometimes you have to like make them take place in an isolated place, like a little Irish island yes. or or somehow, you know, use the, the cell phone stuff as like part of the mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cell phones are just going to ruin novels. Let's just get that out of the way. That's it can be very tempting to just write an historical piece just for the sake of that uh, convenience. You, you really have to suspend, sort of suspend disbelief, but then otherwise you also have to go with it because even things like the Nancy Drew mysteries from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Nancy was great. She was doing all these things, and she was you know jumping in her car, chasing a suspect. She was you know there'd be a canoe on the side of the she'd be you know walking on the beach there'd be a canoe she'd realize she had to canoe across the lake to to you know catch a suspect mm-hmm. and she would do it all and she would be amazing like right. she wouldn't lose her shoes she wouldn't be oh, she yeah. wouldn't be covered in mud she would just be you know strong and going yeah. right through what she had to do and she's just a magnet for plot devices yeah yes. just, mm-hmm. <laughs> um i want to jump ahead in your list to something else which is called the vanishing half by Britt bennett yes yeah that one is that mystery or like a just a drama? It's it actually had some elements of a mystery in it. It also is a drama. It also is a book that makes you think a lot about. I, I think a main theme of that was I was identity. Who who are you as a person? Who do you see yourself as? Who's your family see you? How does where you come from and the the place and time where you grew up make you into the adult that you are? And it was about twins. It's twins. And part of the story is set in Louisiana in the late 60s. And then the other part of the story is each twin has a daughter and each of the daughters has their own story that's 
interwoven along with the story of the twins. Ah. And that that gave it a, a new dimension too, because on one hand, it's the story of the twins and the choices that they made or the choices that because of the ways that they chose to interpret their identity and, and become their own people, mm-hmm. the the ways in which their daughter's lives were shaped by that. And then their lives were shaped by that and changed and how they, how they lived a life that neither one really could have imagined. It was just the way that it had to be for the, for the purpose of saving themselves, for the purpose of knowing that there was something out there that they, they felt like they had to overcome or build around to make a better life. Yeah. Now we're in my sweet spot in terms of what the novel in terms of family sagas especially when they get generational uh someone else here on staff uh once in future guest assistant director darlene hellenberg we love those family sagas and it's just there's something fulfilling about getting to the end of the book and just seeing the ways in which the stories almost create a dialogue between the generations what happens to the younger generation versus what happens to the older generation and just the bonds of family. I find that stuff great in yes. a fiction book. It was really it was really beautiful. And it also it it made me realize how many ways there are for people to get involved in a book. At first, you're reading and you think it's going to be a mystery about twins and maybe something's going to happen that you're going to have to solve a mystery. But then as you go along, you get to a point in the middle, you're like, oh, I see why everyone loves this because there's right. some element that you didn't think about or some other component in there that it's like, oh, this is why everyone has it on hold. This is why it's been on the New York Times bestseller and people are talking about it. And it even had a lot to say about love and how identity impacts who we love or why or um, the ways in which you don't realize what a powerful force love is until you're right in the middle of a story between characters and you're you're really invested in their their emotion too even though it's a book you're still really it feels really real let's divert a little bit to mention our online resources at this library we <laughs> if you uh, have a Ferndale library card you can get digital incarnations of these books not just print ones you, know, you could get a print book and take it home via our curbside pickup service but the vanishing half and the guest list specifically are you could find them as ebooks right through the libby right. app they're, from overdrive yes they're on the libby app from overdrive and they had lots and lots of holds every time i pulled a report in the past few weeks they've been the two with the top numbers of holds and that's why i was so interested to read them because i thought i need to know what these are i need to be able to talk about them in case anyone else asks or i want to make sure that i know when i see them on a list or when i see that there's an article about them that i know that it's a popular title that there's good things to say about it. And there's not just ebooks out there. There's audiobooks, right, Kelly? Uh-huh. We uh-huh. should let folks know if they're listening to this podcast and they just said, wait a minute, I can get more with my library card. Can you guys talk to me about uh, some of that other stuff that they have in terms of their options? Yes. And both of those books are available on audio also. Oh. Down- downloadable audio and then physical audio, mm-hmm. physical audio book mm-hmm. with the CDs. Those are, they're both available. And they, the downloadable ones will download just like you would download an ebook right through the Libby app and it'll come great right for, to, yep. Great fixed. for anyone. If you're like Kelly, you like audio over print. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. And Susan deserves a little horn tooting here. She oh, for is sure. doing a great job with our, we have what's called overdrive advantage. So we have the ability to bump up our collection for our patrons so that the holds list goes a little bit quicker for them. So don't be dismayed if you are looking for one of these really popular titles that the holds list is super long. Go ahead and place that hold. We may just be in the background going, oh, we're going to get another copy of that. Yeah. And speed things up. So. Yeah. And you're kind of like a digital librarian now, aren't you, Susan? Yes. You're on the Vanguard. Yes. And I really do enjoy seeing that that uh, that component of the, the way that it works. I can print the whole list and I can say, wow, eight holds on one title. We need more. And... I really like that even with the closure and the, the pandemic happening and people being having to maybe being scared to come out of their own environment or having to change the ways in which they interact, we can still give them resources. We can still give them access, even though they may not be able to physically come in the building right now, we can still make sure that they have something to read or something to help them get through this, this time of uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. And you attend like monthly meetings, right? They're like technology summits. What do you call these things with the library network, Wilkin County? There's two different types of meetings that I do. One is the tech committee. Gotcha. And then one is e-content. So the e-content one, that deals with the services that we have. So Overdrive and Libby. And then Are We Digital is a digital magazine one, which is great if you love magazines and it's, oh, yeah. and you feel like maybe it's harder to get a magazine now or we have them in print, but if people aren't, aren't ready to check them out if they're concerned or anything like that, you can get it right digital form right to your iPad. They work great. And I've used that a lot myself. Oh yeah. Cooks so. Illustrated on my tablet pc has like gotten me through a lot of recipes <laughs> yes because you might i mean there's there's two routes primarily you can get one of our awesome cookbooks which is great but you'd have to take home a 400 page print thing right and you might not get it everything or you know and everyone kind of rips on these people but when you have those sort of lifestyle bloggers who have their recipes and then they're uh photos and then their stories and oh my god just right. give me the ingredients i don't want to know i don't want to hear about your trip to provence sorry <laughs> like. so you know rb digital if you can get to cooks illustrated for sure oh, just yeah. um yeah and that's part of the test kitchen right isn't that connected yes yeah yes it's also easy to lighten the load a bit when you have a digital way to get a cookbook because like you said you're not lugging a 400 pound heavy thing that yeah. you know if it falls off your counter <laughs> while you're trying to stir your spaghetti sauce or the sauce spills onto the book right oh, yeah you um know. yeah uh hoopla and overdrive slash libby have digital cookbooks too so it's not just the magazines on rb digital yeah and thanks thanks for the shout out about how I'm handling all the buying of the extra ebooks and and audiobooks. Like I like I said, I really like to be able to contribute to keeping everyone in the know about what's going on and what things that they have access to by doing that. Yeah, so I think it's really important. And I've noticed too that people are really using our curbside service, and they're they're picking things that are not only the fun kind of material. They're really using the time to delve into big long books that they maybe wouldn't have time to read otherwise or books that they want to read about a, a difficult topic or a difficult subject to talk about with their family or with their kids. And they want to make sure that they do that the right way and they have the 
the right tools in which to engage as a productive person. Yeah. We're here for it. Lots of, lots of, you know, anti-racism books and things like that. You, and we all, all of us here work curbside. So I'm sure we've all seen the subjects that people are checking out. It's, it's interesting because we as a group, as staff members, there are more of us involved in the circulation aspect than there used to be. So I think it's kind of neat that let's say, you know, the youth librarians get to hang out in the curbside room and see what, you know, adult patrons are checking out. Right. Vice versa. And, you know, even some of our other staff members getting a chance to experience some of the things we that was one of the things I used to whenever we had to post a circulation position, it would one of the like catch lines would be like, see what everybody's into, you know, like figure out what's popular. And, right. and I it's it seems silly, but it it does kind of connect you with other people to see what folks are checking out. Yeah. And so it's and it's, I've, I've been seeing, uh, as you said, much more on the youth side, because I underestimated how many parents would not only be in here, you know, in person, but they'd probably be using self-check. So just to see the amount of kids books that go through this building is. Oh, yeah, it's pretty wild. It's exciting and encouraging and just seeing that we're able to get those books to those kids at, in their homes. It's really great. We got another book to talk about, though, and that is uh, got a tantalizing title, Sex and Vanity. Oh, by Kevin Kwan. Yes, he's the one that wrote the Crazy Rich Asian series. And he it's very funny. It's satire Mm -hmm. and this new one is a standalone so it's not part of the the three that were the original series that he did and there's also the movie crazy rich asians which the movie was also really good i thought I, i liked the books i thought they were funny and definitely a beach read Definitely escapism Mm -hmm. because he writes about enormous, enormous wealth and these (laughs) families that have this like, well, obviously the first title, Crazy Rich Asians, they're, you know, just incredibly wealthy, have these incredible experiences. And then he just likes to poke fun at that. So the Sex and Vanity, his latest one that just came out July 14th, is about a fancy wedding on the Isle of Capri in Italy. And... That was cool just to read about that because I've never been there, but it felt like a trip there to see. Nice. Yeah, I was going to say, this is Susan's world tour. Right. (laughs) Imagine yourself on the beach in the sand, in the ocean, and describing the food and describing the incredible views from some villa that someone rented or they took a car trip on a really long winding cliff road and they saw these beautiful things or they went shopping and they discovered the, you know, incredible things that you would discover on this island. Publishers Weekly Review says a delectable comedy of manners, the literary equivalent of white truffle and caviar pizza. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. Yes. He also (laughs) did describe a lot of the food, which is really fun because it's Italy. So they're they're eating pasta and pizza and good desserts and they're doing it all with all kinds of cocktail parties and like the sun is out, the temperature is perfect for swimming and being in the sun, all that stuff. In general, I find that to be a very charming sort of characteristic specific to mysteries. I often see that mysteries like to delve into, I guess, specific things that really just heighten the escapism. And it usually deals with, it deals with hobbies. Maybe it's knitting. You see knitting mysteries or whatever, or you see cat mysteries or food mysteries. Or even or library mysteries. Library yes. mysteries. I love that, <laughs> I love that this genre has that, the willingness to just, Dive into that, you know? Yes. I think it's really about, 
you can figure out what people like if you just use some combination of all those things. Mm-hmm. Like some people really do only want to read animal mysteries mm-hmm. where the cat or the dog is a big part of the mystery. Or mm-hmm. maybe they want to read about food because there's also a recipe in the food yes. mysteries. So, you know, that could be a draw too. But the, I really like the puzzle about mysteries and I really like the escapism in a way because it still gives you something to think about. But... It's also a nice break from the regular world that you live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm I used to kind of scoff cuz I've worked in libraries for years and I'd see people checking out, "Oh, here's the next one in such and such series." I used to scoff, but now that I'm older and tired all the time, when I I've gotten into like Jonathan Kellerman like oh, cool. yeah. years ago, and I found I found some of his older ones on audiobooks. So I started like in the 80s. So following this character from like 1983 up to the present was kind of comforting because you have this like you have this static person. And actually, one of the criticisms of a lot of mysteries are that the main character like doesn't grow or change. They're just like moving through the decades at the same age. But it's comforting in its way because it's just like, oh, I know that guy. Right. What's that guy going to do? Exactly. There's another mystery series that I just thought of when you were talking about how the character kind of stays the same, but they're still involved in their story. It's just slightly different each time. Yeah. The ones by Kara Black. Oh, and they're okay. all set in Paris. And it's it's the her name is Amy LeDuc. She's the uh, the daughter of a detective and she takes her dad was a detective and they live in Paris. She takes over his business because in the very, in the very first one, you realize something happened to her dad. So she has to take over the business and she goes all over the whole city solving mysteries. And there are now 21 books in the series. <laughs> wow. And yeah, it looks like they began in 1999. Yes. So I'm sure Amy is the same age, but right. <laughs> yes. And she did it all without having cell phones in the story. Great. She she wanted to the author wanted to suspend that part of our life mm-hmm. to make it more mysterious and more complex as you go along. You couldn't for example just google the metro stop that she needs to go to in order to go halfway across the city to solve the puzzle. She actually has to get out the map and think, where does this one go? Where do okay. like, who am I going to talk to on the way so that I know what I'm doing? But I can't take out my phone and dial them as I'm on my motor scooter. Right. That's so funny. Yeah, it's a uh, mystery is a cool genre because it is about that escapism. But yeah, makes you it makes you think, too. Yeah. And Susan, before we let you go, we should mention that you're adding audiobooks as well. And then something that might be of interest, of course, the recent passing of John Lewis, but then it was timed so closely to the actual release of John Meacham's sort of biography about him, right? Yes. It's called His Truth is Marching On. It came out at the end of the at the end of the month. Yeah. And it's been uh on the on the New York Times list and it's been written about in a couple of magazines. So I wanted to make sure we had that so that people can read that and remember and learn about what he did and the ways that his legacy impacted so many people. And an ebook version too. Mm-hmm. We have yeah, I, I ordered that audio and then ebook and then also e audio. That's excellent. Well. So Great. there's lots of ways that people can engage with that whole collection because I tried to make sure that there's a way for everyone to find a format that they're happy with. Any other uh, top of your head, any other audiobooks or ebooks you recently looked into that you're going to be adding soon or have added? 
memoirs, I think, are interesting because sometimes the reader is also the writer. Yeah, that's true. So, mm. yeah, uh, Michelle Obama's um, yes audiobook was great. Uh, I will say, as a person who's listened to a lot of the audiobooks, it author read by the author is not always the best, but I think for memoirs it makes the most sense. Right so on. it's kind of cool to like, especially someone who's like currently alive. It's like listening to Michelle tell her exactly. story. Exactly, or great. like it's like listening to their long form podcast or something yeah, about exactly. their life. Yes, and she does have a new podcast. She's got a podcast now, okay. so very exciting. But um, yeah, Susan, thanks again for coming on the podcast. It's always been a pleasure to have you on here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and uh, hopefully next year you can get to go on those actual vacations. I hope so. I'm <laughs> I'm ready whenever that's going to start up again. I'm ready. Susan loves to travel. She also gets the travel books to this library appropriately. Oh yeah. Yes. Nobody better. And that was our chat with Susan Paley. Joining me on the boards was Kelly Bennett, the head of circulation at this library. And my name is Jeff Milo. We produce this podcast in-house here at the Ferndale Area District Library. And it is brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. So if you ever want to support this podcast, go to ferndalefriends.org. Susan Paley, the reference librarian, had lots of great recommendations for us, particularly in the mystery genre. We will have links to where you can find those uh, print copies and digital copies in our show notes. We thank you for listening. This is A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library Podcast.